Hello, Tim and Maria, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, uh, yes, guys, sadly, we are having some technical difficulties, but we are going to carry on. Um, thank you so much for being patient with us. Um, I'm excited to talk this morning. Let me, uh, let me just pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this house. Father, I thank you for everybody in it. Father, I thank you for the uh, privilege of being alive today in these times. Lord, for the lessons and, uh, Lord, the, the opportunities of your nature that we are learning. Father, I thank you that you are omnipresent, that you are an omnipresent God that is outside of time. And we are, we are realizing, Lord, that we might not be in the same building, God, but you are meeting all of us in our needs in our homes. We thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray that you would, um, Father, that you would use my words, Lord, to exactly where you want it to go. And uh, Father, we, I just thank you for this privilege to be sharing this morning. Amen. Worship team, thank you. Everyone's gone. Oh no. I am, I am up here alone. Andy, come back. All right, well, we're gonna, I'm going to carry on with the message, the sermon series that we are doing uh, this month. Um, and it comes from Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And, and, and a few weeks ago, we heard from Josh. Josh just gave us a, an amazing um, uh, overview of this verse. And it comes from where Joshua is telling the Israelites about what God has done for them since the beginning, bringing Abraham into the new land and sending the Jewish people out of Egyptian bondage through Moses and Aaron and to where they presently were following Joshua to God's promised land. And Joshua being the leader, he is witnessing um, the people basically doing, just operating out of a place that they forgot who God is and they are doing things that they should not be doing. They are worshipping idols and that they've forgotten who God is in their lives. And, and he pleads with his people to turn away from uh, the gods of their fathers who worship the, the calf, as uh, Josh so perfectly shared a few weeks ago. And, and, and Joshua is saying, turn away from your ways and follow God. So as for me and my house, we are serving the Lord. And I, I had planned to take this message and talk about after Joshua gives this message and what God does with Joshua afterwards. But in the weeks of preparing, I got um, stopped. The Lord stopped me to actually hone in on that verse that we've been using and focus on the word household. So everybody, you say the word household. No one said it in here, so I'm guessing that everybody said it in thing, but that's fine. But it's to do with your home. Now you see, Joshua in that statement was not saying household as in my second name. He wasn't sort of saying, now we don't know what Joshua's second name was. But if I was to say, as for me and my household, it's not saying the horsefuls, which is my second name, are going this way. He is actually talking about his home his home life. You know, one of the, the Hebrew words of household with the root of it come, the first word that comes up is dwelling habitation. So Joshua is saying, where I dwell, where, where the habitat, my home, because of where I dwell, we will serve the Lord. And there is something about your home 
that I'm going to talk about. There's something about the home where you are right now, which is very interesting if you think that in this time, we, we have been in our homes for, for a very long time. And you've heard this said, who you are at home is who you really are. Ooh. We say that again. Who you are at home is who you really are. And do you know what? We've had almost a whole year to answer that question. Am I right with all these lockdowns? And what makes this message rather unique is I am actually speaking to you in your home. So you are already there. There is no one in this building, but you are watching and you are in your home. So just recognize, look around, you're in your home right now. And this morning, I just want to stir you to start thinking a little bit differently about your home, about what God has planned for your home. This has been a year where home, home life has been on the forefront of all of our lives. It's great that this week we've been, uh, the government have let us know what tier we're in and Christmas is getting a little bit clearer of what we can do. But I believe that part of this year, the, the great reset, what people have been calling this year is, is that what the enemy meant for evil, Genesis 50, as, as, as the writer says, as for you what, you, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. And this year, what I see is that God is reawakening our homes. God is showing us, his church, the importance of home life. As for me and my house, as for me and my home, we will serve the Lord. He has a plan for your home. He has a purpose for your home. And Life Church Bath, your home is more than a mortgage payment. It's more than just the location of where you live because it's close to where you work. Your home has the power to change not only your family, but your neighbors and your communities and your city. Why am I saying this? I heard a social worker tell me this a couple of weeks ago, and they said, a fractured home leads to a fractured street, then goes to a fractured community, then goes to a fractured city. So if that is true, therefore the opposite is true, is that when a home used by the Lord, a whole home, a home that is, a home that is built on the foundation of the Lord, that means a healed home makes it a healed half family. Then from a family, it then goes into a healed street then into a healed community and cities and nation and so forth. I also, I also heard another example is that a pastor um, was telling a story of that he moved into a new street and as, the, uh, as he uh, parked up and had the moving vehicles come and move his stuff into the house, they, a neighbor came and introduced himself to, to these pastors and said, um, hi, uh, this is my name, so good to have you on the street. Just to warn you, everyone that has lived in your house have all, have all end up selling because their marriage has fallen apart. And as soon as that person said that, the pastor replied back, well, that's great because it stops now. It stops now. See, we have the power to decide what God wants to do with our home. And, and I, I want to stir you with what I believe God is shaping us and thinking outside of probably what we've never been before. We've never been here before as a church. And I believe that God wants to use your home. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ex um, explain what I'm talking about. I, 
it is talking about fellowship. I'm going to talk about fellowship a lot. Now, I want to just put this out there. I understand that we are in lockdown. So when I talk about fellowship and being with people, I'm not under the idea that the laws have changed and that we can now start meeting in our homes. We can't. But I want to say this. We as believers, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, he says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And I want to recognize that, yes, we are in a physical limitation of being able to see people, but I want us to get ready for what's to come. You know, um, the the story of the uh, prodigal son When the father sees the son come and he runs to him and embraces him, the son wasn't at home, but his father said, go and prepare the fattened calf because we will celebrate. And there's something about preparing ourselves for re-entry, preparing ourselves for when we can do it. We are ready. Our homes are ready to receive people and we are ready to engage with people. I mean, guys, I have struggled so much not being able to be with you. I love being together with people. I'm, I am, fellowship is just, oh, I just think about it all the time. It's what I love doing in, in the house. I desire it so much. And there's something I want to share. It's Acts 2, very well known. And there's just an emphasis I see that God is using and reminding us today about how important our homes are. So if you turn to Acts 2, going to go straight into verse 41. Um, And before I read it, this is, um, as you know, um, the Holy Spirit has fallen on his disciples. And from there, Peter then goes outside of the room because there is a, outside of the room that they're in, there's a commotion. There are people going, what's going on? There are, there are people speaking in tongues that we've never heard for. There's a noise going on. And Peter steps outside and begins to preach the good news and it tells people what is going on. And the Holy Spirit then starts falling on the people that he's preaching on. And it says, verse 41, so those who received his word were baptized. And they were added. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added into the kingdom. And then verse 42, then they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Can you see that we've just, we've just talked, we've just learned there are four keys, there are four things that have just happened. Four things that started at the beginning of this church movement when the early church was born. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things. Now, I want to I I propose something to you. I've heard this, and, and it's subtle, but we almost sometimes glaze over the fact that fellowship and breaking of bread is a part of those four. And we can very sometimes lean heavily and say, it's all about the apostles' teaching and all about prayer. But you see, this isn't actually what we see happening in the early church. That's not how we see God moving over his people. And, and this is not said from a wrong motive. Hear me, I'm not saying that there's a wrong motive here. But I know I've heard it, head, uh, sorry, I've heard it said that if, if, the, if prayer is not happening and the word of God is not being preached, then the church can only go so far. It's not from a wrong motive. But I'm seeing that there are four things here, not two. And it's just as powerful to break bread with one another and fellowship as it is to pray and be around amazing teaching. It's the kingdom working in practical ways in our community. Now, 
I'm not saying that prayer and teaching is not important. Are, are you hearing me on that? I'm going to say that again. I am not saying that prayer and teaching is not important. I have been shaped by this platform and many platforms in churches around the world. Teaching, I, I, have, I have learned, I've been, a, I've been a disciple in this house. I am not saying this is not important. And I'm also saying that prayer is not important. I, I was given a book probably about 15 years ago of a um, biography really written by a guy called Norman Grubb about the story of Reese Howells. It's called Intercessor. If you have not read that book, read it if you want to get a heart for prayer. I'll tell you, that book I read so many years ago has changed my life. It changed the way I think about prayer. But I'm not, I'm not, what I'm suggesting, guys, is I'm not taking down prayer and teaching. What I'm asking is that we bring fellowship and the breaking of bread up alongside teaching and prayer. Is that, are you guys, are you guys understanding me? Okay, cool. That we have the same expectation of God moving in our midst when we break bread and we fellowship together as the same as we do when we pray and we are around to good teaching. That it's all the same. And then look what happens in verse 43. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as, as, any, had need, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all these people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Do you notice it's a, he, it, that right, he's saying in the temple and house to house. You see, the, the temple and house to house are together. They're not separate. They're actually working together. This is, and, and this is an emphasis. I'm not saying that the emphasis is on house church. I'm talking about church in your home, about the ecclesia, God's people being together for one purpose, but how the church and the home actually work together. This is about rediscovering God's purpose that he has for your home where you are listening to this message. You know, there were certain houses that God used throughout scripture, but I'm going to talk about two. One is in Acts 9. Um, Peter is in Joppa and he stayed in a house um, by the, the Simon's house um, and he was a tanner. And his house was by the sea. Now, this was a house specifically used for when the apostles were moving around. They stayed in this house. But we read in Acts 10 that in that house, that is where Peter went to pray before the Lord. And by doing that, he walked up onto the roof to go pray. And in that house, Peter had the very famous vision. You know, I'll read it. Verse nine, about noon the following day, as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into, the, into a trance. Now, you can go on and read what he's saying, what he goes on to say that, because it's an, an amazing story. It's Acts 10, read it yourself. But it was the house, the holy habitation, the dwelling place of that house. God used that house as a space to talk to Peter. God wants to use your home just like that. 
God wants to use your home as a place where he is dwelling. He calls it his home. And the answers and, and things that you are looking for don't come outside of your home, but you meet him in your home. I'll give you another example. Matthew 17. I love this story. I love this story. One, I, a few months ago, Josh, Joshua Luke Smith preached preached this message and it, he, he just ignited the imagery of this. It, it just, I'll never forget it, Josh. It was an amazing message. Matthew 17, after Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked? From whom do the kings of the earth collect duties and taxes, from their own children or from others? And Peter answered, from others. And then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake, throw out your line, take the first fish you catch. This is where it gets amazing. Open its mouth and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for the tax for the tax that is theirs. That, that, I don't know, that creates some amazing imagery for me of the Jesus saying, go fishing and the money that you need will be inside the first fish you catch. Oh my goodness, that Jesus sounds like he's a fun person to go fishing with. But did you notice the very small part of that verse that I've just read to you? See, Peter has realized that there's a problem as he was walking around Capernaum, he was told, you need to pay tax. And Peter did not know what to do. And it was, he had to go home to find the answer. You see, that there was a problem. And it says, as soon as Peter entered the house, it says, Jesus was the first to speak. Jesus was the first to speak. So I don't know about you, but imagine your front door, you've been thinking about something, you, you need an answer to something, and it's as soon as the key went into the lock, the key turned, the door opened, and as Peter puts his first foot into the door, into the home, it says Jesus was the first to speak. I don't know about you, but I would love my house to be as powerful as that. That my house is a place that as soon as I step into my home, Jesus is the first to speak. That it's actually, whatever you're doing in the day, it, it, it turns the emphasis of where it, you could say old wineskin or the old mindset of is, we've got to go to the temple. We've got to go to the church to hear God. Ah, God is saying, look, if you allow me to dwell in your home, your answers will, ha will happen inside your home. I will be the first to speak. I will be the first word that you hear when you enter your house. Oh, I love that. I love that picture about us recognizing that there is a principle here that we can learn in this season, that God wants to be the first voice in our homes. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I've got a question for you. What do you want your home to be known for? We've just talked about two houses, one in Acts and one in Matthew. 
where God used a home, God used a home to demonstrate his kingdom. What do you want your home to be known for? We've got, you could, you could, you could decide, hey, I want my home to be a house of hope. So therefore, if it's a house of hope, then I believe that by even just speaking that out, you need to expect that if there is anyone in your house or outside of your house that is in a hopeless situation, the answer will be found when they enter your home. What about a house of peace? What about a house of peace that if you are experiencing a storm or anyone outside is experiencing a storm, they come into your house to receive the shalom of God? About restoration. This is something that I've, I've experienced myself and I know many houses that, uh, uh, that I've seen in my life, God's used this for. There may be brokenness in your life or someone that you know, but it's until they come into your home or, they go, or you go into someone's home that all of a sudden something that was broken is now fixed. And it's because of the, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord and God has deposited a restoration grace upon that house. That is for us right now, church. This is a charge for all of us this morning to ask the question, what is your house known for? You know, there's, there's a practical step in this and it's really simple. I believe whether you are on your own or you are in a house that you are sharing with someone, what you, what you agree with with the Lord is what it shall be. When me and Ruth, we got married in 2012 and we moved into a uh, one bed apartment um, on Barfwick Street. I, I, I've sort of always believed and I've just grown up with this message of that really your home can be what you decide it to be. And so what we did is we, we took a blank piece of paper as we moved in and we prayed together and asked the question to each other, what does God want to do with us in our home? And we knew just instantly the word came together is we want our home to be a place of peace. It was this really, really beautiful um, apartment. It was on the top floor. It had, um, it just, it had this e real feel that we were in the city, but as soon as you walked into our apartment and shut the door, it was almost like you, were, you, you weren't in Bath anymore. You were just somewhere very calm, very peaceful. And what we did is we took a piece of paper and we wrote down what we wanted our house to be on a piece of paper. And we took the piece of paper and we put it underneath the doormat of our door. And our doormat, because we were at the top, we actually had the doormat outside of our door. And so what we realized and what we wanted was, was that every single person that comes into our flat stands on that promise, which they didn't know it was under the doormat, but it was the promise of you're now entering a home of peace. And it was like, as soon as I just thought it was a prophetic act is that I put it underneath so that when they put their foot on that sign, they were coming into something. They were, whatever they were bringing stopped at the door and they were now entering into peace. And that's why I have fond memories of that home. I know that that was just a, a time, a, a, you know, our first 18 months of marriage where we were just in this a beautiful home of peace. And that can be for you today. 
That can be for you, whoever you're living with, asking the question this morning, what do you want this home to be, Lord? You know, there's, a, there's a, an expectation that we can fall into that really our home, and, and I would say this is coming in from outside influences, that really your home is just about a place for you to kind of switch off and to get ready and, and go into work and put all your focused energy on that. But I, I believe that the kingdom is the opposite. Actually, it's in the home where you've got the creative kitchen, you've got you know, a busy workshop, a fruitful garden, and it playing its central role in, in places of entertainment, education, and your livelihood, that, that is the place that the Lord builds his people. It's focusing and realize that there is something in our home that God can do that he can't do anywhere else. What, do you, what does God want to do with your home in this time? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, Joshua, when he said that, as for me and my house, this is what I believe. He was letting all of us into a secret to say, we are not to fall back into our old ways of where idolatry is trying to come back in. We need to keep our eyes focused on the Lord. But he was saying almost a secret to us. Guys, it's in my house that I have learned to serve the Lord first. It's in my house where I have learned to focus on him and not serve any idols. Because it's when I've got that in order that it's what I do outside of the house comes from the overflow of what's going on inside. I asked that question at the beginning. Who you are at your home when no one's there is who you really are. And it's, and it's the, almost the question of, is your house in order? Because it's, I don't want us to focus so much on the Joshua word right now of thinking, well, it, 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 right now the church is about what we're doing outside. I want you to think about your home. Is there anything in your home that right now the Holy Spirit is asking, that is an idolatry, that is idolatry in your home and I want you to move it? Is there anything in your home life that the Lord is bringing to attention just in this time? Because guys, we are not going to be as in our homes as much as the future goes on. But it's in times like this where we can recognize that God wants to use the church and the home together. It's being together. As for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So I've got something practical for us to do today, and it can be done over, over lunch. I want you to either ask the Lord yourself or ask the people that you are living with to ask the question, what does God want, what does God want to do with our house? How does he want to use it? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. What does, the, what does God want to do in our house? You can, you can copy the same thing of what we did, uh, me and Ruth did. You can write it down. But I believe there's a declaration that needs to be said in your home today. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And in making that declaration, in saying that, what you are doing is saying, from now on, this house is going to be used for, is it peace? Is it hope? Is it miracles? Do you want your house to be a place where the, the impossibilities are broken by the power of God in your home? We read in Acts that 
an awe came over the church because they were seeing God move in their midst and it was in their homes. I wanna see God move in our homes, why? Because I think that is one of the most important ways that we reach our communities. It's, it's how we meet, how not everybody guys is gonna come into our building, but that's okay because God is sending you to go to the people. I've said this many times and you've kind of walked with me on this journey, but at the beginning of this lockdown in March when it happened, I prayed a prayer, God, what can I do in the community that I live in? And he's given me one family, Brian and Lucy, I've, I've told you the story. But right now, I, I, as well as serving you guys, I have this couple that I am serving because I know that they are not gonna go to a church, but I am the church. So it is in me, in my decision of saying, God, I want you to use me so that they can meet you. And your home, your home is not just where you decided to go to. Have you asked the question, God, are we here not just for ourselves, but is it for our neighbors and our community? God's plan and purpose for your house is so much more than you can imagine. So much more. As for me and in my house, I will serve the Lord. I'm gonna pray and I want you to, this is not gonna be a prayer for you just to listen to. I actually want you to pray in your homes out loud right now. Say it out loud with me. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Father, I pray right now, Lord, that you would use this message to stir us to start thinking with a kingdom mind what you want to do with our homes. Lord, that this season that we're going through is very strange, but Lord, what the enemy meant for evil, you are turning for good. And Lord, that there are things in our homes that you want to awaken. Lord, there are words and, and, and prayers that you want us to pray right now that will be the defining words for our streets, for our cities. Lord, where it's hope, Father, would you make that house a home of hope? Lord, whether it's restoration, whether it's peace, whether it's generosity, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, we are in agreement with you, Lord, that we want your will, your kingdom to come onto every house that's listening to this message. Lord, you wanna, you wanna like you did with Peter, as soon as he walked into the house, as soon as he walked into the house, Jesus, you were the first to speak. Jesus, we ask that, Lord, we, would you pray, Lord, we pray that you would be that voice in our houses, that you are the first to speak in our homes at all times. Father, would you remove any idolatry that's in our homes? Lord, if there are anything in our homes, Lord, that you're asking us to get rid of, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that, it, Lord, that when you speak, in, it, it, it's not condemnation, it's conviction, but in the conviction you're highlighting and the grace to remove it is in that word. Lord, I pray for the grace to be on us, Lord, that we would be bold in these days, that we would not hold back. Lord, that this season, may it, may it feel long, Lord, but in the long run, Lord, we're gonna look back and say, Lord, it was for a time, but Lord, we moved and we did what you were asking us to do in such a time as this. Lord, we know that there are seasons in our life, Lord, and in this season, Lord, we as a house do not wanna miss what you are doing. 
Lord, we do not want to be playing catch up when, Lord, when things go back to how they were, Lord, that, Father, Lord, that we would have built our homes to represent the kingdom in such a time as this. Lord, we want to be a house, Lord, that, Father, Lord, that is demonstrating the teaching that you, you want us to teach, Father, the prayers that you want us to pray, Lord, the breaking of bread and, and community, Lord, and the fellowship, those four intertwined with the, the house of God and our homes working together, Lord. It's not separate. Guys, just declare, speak out. When you agree with prayers like this, it could be crazy prayers. You could be saying prayers that you don't even think make sense right now, but God remembers those words. They're seeds of something that is to come. Lord, I pray that you would use our homes exactly to how you see fit. In the name of Jesus, amen. Just before we go into uh, worship, and uh, please keep praying for your homes. I, this is uh, us joining together and all praying for our homes together, that, they, that Lord, that you would use them. But I heard this quote, it says, um, home is where your story begins. And this morning, I, I just know that there are people who are listening to our message today um, that either don't know the Lord or have known the Lord, but have walked away. And this morning, there is, the Lord is drawing you home. The Lord is drawing you back home. That He wants you back home. That you're listening to this message, not by, by chance. That it's, it's Him that is drawing you back home. And, and, and whether, whether you don't know or you've known, I just wanna say that it is the safest place to be in the will of God, in his home, in his house. And I just wanna lead anyone in a prayer of just saying, Father, I'm willing to come back home. If, if, if you are listening to this message and there's something in you that's saying, ah, do you know what, I, I think that's, that's me. I just want you just to recognize that this is a lot less, not about my words, but it's the Lord saying, now is the time to come back home. Lord, I, I just lead anyone that's listening this, leading this, needing to hear this, Lord. Father we, Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are a perfect Father. And if, you, if this is you that you're listening, you just need to say, Lord, I'm coming home. Lord, forgive me for what I have said and what I have done. I'm confessing that Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior and that I'm coming home. And it is the beginning. It is where my story begins. If that is you and you're praying that, please, um, on the online, just say on the chat, request prayer. Say it's me. We have some amazing people that want to just continue praying for you and with you and want to introduce you to King Jesus. Your life will never be the same again. Your story will just begin. We're gonna go into a time of worship, but please, if, if, going back to the homes, guys, this is, this is a partnership of saying, Lord, what is it that you want to do with our homes in this time? Amen.